0: what's going on man welcome back to the basement i'm ron and today we have our weekly wide receiver matchups video where we're going to talk through every single matchup every single fantasy relevant wide receiver we're going to talk through injuries shadow matchups defensive strength pace of play everything that you need to be ready to set your lineups for sunday so we're not going to waste any time if you enjoy the video at any point make sure you get on below subscribe leave a like let's go all right, so our first matchup here is going to be the Saints on the road versus the Panthers. The Saints are three point favorites on the road here with a 40 and a half point over under. I think this line of 40 and a half is probably right where the Saints squeak out an ugly win on the road here and when we talk about the wide receivers we have michael thomas up top michael thomas this week on pff is one of six players to have an excellent matchup on pff which takes into account how good the wide receiver is how bad the matchup is and with that being said he's the wide receiver nine through two weeks at this point he has a soft matchup he should be an every week starter for you in fantasy then we have chris olave and the saints only have an implied 21 and a half points here in a low scoring environment as road favorites, they should run the ball. It should be kind of an ugly game. So I don't love Olave here. I know that he looked great last week. We had like over 300 plus air yards, like a 30% plus target share. He looked good last week. I'm still going to have him as a flex play here. I wouldn't say he's a must start or anything, but he's going to be a low end flex play, probably around wide receiver 40, wide receiver 45. And then the last wide receiver for the Saints is Jarvis Landry. He follows up a 26% target share in 15 yard A-Dot game with a 13% target share and a 4.4 ADOT. This is more of the Jarvis we expected where he kind of gets squeezed for targets by Olave and Michael Thomas and Kamara out of the backfield on a really low ADOT. So he's somebody that is going to be a low floor flex play. I don't like him here. I would have him as a sit. If you're desperate, there's worse options out there, but if I can help it, I'd want him on the bench. Then on the other side, we have DJ Moore, who scored a touchdown last week. He's seeing 100% of the routes. He went from an 18% target share in week one to a 23% target share in week two. He is their future wide receiver. He's building rapport with Baker. He also had 31% of the air yards. He should connect on a long pass soon. I think that he's a fine start here, even in an uglier matchup. And then we have Robbie Anderson, who went from a 20 plus point game in week one with a 32% target share he came back down to earth as the Robbie Anderson we've known for the past couple of years where he had a six point game with a 19% target share I think that this offense moving forward is going to shy away from Robbie Anderson and shy Smith and start funneling more of those targets to DJ Moore as they figure out that he's actually their best player not named Christian McCaffrey on offense next we have Texans at the Bears the Bears are two and a half point favorites at home the over under is also 40 and a half This is an ugly one. The Bears are literally running a high school offense where they've only passed the ball 28 times through two games. While the Texans are playing faster, they're playing with pace, they're looking to throw the ball more. While the Bears are just going to want to run the ball against PFF's worst graded run defense in the Texans. Now, when we talk about the Texans wide receivers, we have Brandon Cooks up top. And he's a start for me, even in a low scoring matchup here. He's a guy who thrives on volume. He's at a 30% target share. That's a top 12 number. Just based on volume alone, he's a fringe top 24 option into eternity. Then you also have Nico Collins. He's a 16.7% target share guy, which isn't terrible, but we're now a year and a few games into his career. He still doesn't have a top 30 wide receiver week. There's just not real upside there to combat his low floor of only like a 16.7% target share. So I don't think you can start Nico Collins just yet. And then we have a guy as well who hasn't popped off this year who gives you a low floor, and Darnell Mooney on the other side of the ball. And you hate to see it, but with five targets, two catches, and four yards. He has four yards through two weeks. The Bears refuse to pass the ball. They're playing against the Houston defense, who kind of funnels things to the run where they have a top 15 pass coverage defense on PFF. They have Derek Stingley. And they have the worst rush defense on PFF. So you kind of have a matchup here where the Bears want to run the ball. They're going to be able to here. They're not going to have a lot of reason to pass, especially because it should be a positive game script where they sit on a like three to seven point lead for most of the game. So it's tough. But I think Mooney has to stay on your bench until Luke Getzey shows us that he wants to pass the ball more or Mooney shows us that he can thrive even in this environment, which takes us to the Chiefs on the road as five and a half point favorites versus the Colts. Now when we did this video on Wednesday for the running backs, this line was actually at minus six and a half. So it actually moved towards the Colts, which I think is really weird. I love the Chiefs to absolutely kill the Colts here. The Colts have been awful. They're the worst offense in the NFL averaging 10 points. They got shut up by the Jaguars. They tied with the Texans. I do think that maybe the reason the line shifted was because Michael Pittman was expected to not play. And now I guess he's expected to play. So that might have moved it towards the Colts side. But I still think that the Chiefs are going to absolutely roll here. They had extra time to prepare off of that Thursday night game. Chiefs by a million, in my opinion. Now, when we talk about the Chiefs wide receivers, we have Juju Smith-Schuster. And I love this as a bounce back spot for Juju. I wish I read a little bit more into the matchup in terms of the slot corner against the Chargers last week. Bryce Callahan on the Chargers has been really strong. He held Renfro to three for 39 in week one, and he held Juju last week for three for 10. He gets a much lighter matchup this week against a Colts secondary that just let slot wide receiver Christian Kirk go crazy for six catches, 78 yards, and two touchdowns. I still like Juju Smith-Schuster as a high-end flex play here. He's catching passes from Mahomes. In week one, he had like, I want to say eight targets, nine targets through just the first half, and then... Obviously, they killed the Cardinals by the end of it. I do think that Juju is still going to be a fringe top 24, top 30 guy moving forward. Now, I don't love the rest of these Chiefs wide receivers, but if I had to play one, it would be Marquez valdez scaling And I'm going to call him a flex play here, but he's the fringiest of flex plays. Uh, across all the flex plays that I have listed on this video, I would probably rank him last. Leads the Chiefs in route participation, so he's technically their wide receiver one. He's in two wide receiver sets along with Juju. He's going to be running wind sprints, where he's just going to be running down the field, streak after streak, streak after streak. But this is one of those games where he's playing, say, bottom five pass DVOA. He hasn't really caught one of those long ones yet. It wouldn't shock me at all if Mahomes had like 350 yards, four touchdowns, and Marcus Valdez-Scanling caught two to three passes for like 70 yards and a touchdown. I think that's in his range of outcomes. If you're down bad and you need a desperation flex, I do think MVS is isn't an awful play this week now when we talk about the rest of the Chiefs wide receivers they're all sits for me none of them crossed 60% of the routes last week they're all sort of rotating in I think Sky Moore is going to eat into McCole Hardman I think Justin Watson is going to eat into Sky Moore and McCole Hardman it's just a rotation you really can't trust anybody outside of Juju Kelsey and then I guess MVS on the other side of the ball we have Michael Pittman who seems like he's going to be on track to play this week I'd fire him up as a volatile wide receiver too just because. There is always that risk for re-injury. There's a risk that he's just out there as a decoy because he's not feeling right. But the Colts desperately need him back. They just lost 24-0 to the Jaguars. This is a guy they need on this offense. And he gets a Chiefs defense that just let another big ex-wide receiver in Mike Williams run absolutely wild on them. They're giving up the ninth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers through two weeks. Michael Pittman is a very good start if he's good to go. Now we have Paris Campbell who I would say you can now drop in your redraft leagues. He was out-targeted by Ashton Doolin last week. Michael Pittman gone. Smash spot for Paris Campbell just to show us that he's something, that he's worth the second-round pick that the Colts spent on him a few years ago. He gets out-targeted 7-2 by Ashton Doolin. Go ahead. If you have Paris Campbell out there, drop him, pour one out, do whatever you have to do, which then brings us to Ashton Doolin, who he's not someone I would flex just yet. Even if Pittman doesn't play, he only ran 70% of the routes last week. He needs to establish himself a little bit more on this pecking order in this depth chart for him to crack that top 45 wide receiver area to qualify to be a flex. After that, we have the Bills on the road as six and a half point favorites versus the Dolphins. The over-under is 52 and a half. They both have top five offenses averaging 30 plus points per game with top three pass rate overexpected. So they're throwing the ball, they're scoring a ton. There's not going to be a lot of plays per se, but there should be efficiency more than volume in this one now i do want to say that 52 and a half over unders a lot in this game could for sure shoot out where the bills get up like the ravens did last week and then the dolphins come back fourth quarter miraculous effort garbage time probably don't quite win against the bills but airing it out passing yards pass attempts all that good stuff the slight thing that i would push back on is that there's a chance that the bills just come in here and steamroll the dolphins there is a there is a good chance that they just steamroll the dolphins this is a Dolphins team as much as they have Tua, they have the new coach everything they are still the dolphins the bills embarrassed the rams on the road in their place like 30 something to 10 stafford looked awful there's a chance that they just give to a problems the safeties are amazing they have edmonds across the middle their pass rush is insane with russo with von miller it's a really tough defense with the best defense in the league at this point if the bills go out there and win like 35 to 14 it wouldn't shock me at all so as much as i think this this game can shoot out there is some massive downside here and when we look at the Bills' side of things, we have Stefan Diggs up top, who is the wide receiver one in all of fantasy land, averaging 35 and a half points per game. He's a start regardless of matchup. He should see shadow coverage from Xavier Howard, but that shouldn't really matter against a Miami team that is 31st in PFF pass coverage and pass DVOA. I think the Bills are going to pass the ball, whoever they please, to whoever they want, all game. Little resistance. And when we talk about Gabe Davis as well, he's a start this week for that reason. They're going to have no problems with the secondary. They're going to score a ton of points. If Gabe Davis is healthy and he's good to go, he should be in your lineup. And when we talk about the rest of the Bills wide receivers, even with Gabe Davis not playing, none of these guys are really worth a start where we had McKenzie and Crowder last week both see under 50% of the routes, even with Gabe Davis gone. So that tells us that the coaching staff doesn't really trust McKenzie or Crowder to play in two wide receiver sets. They actually opted for Jake Kummerow, a guy who used to play for the Packers. I want to say was probably like a free agent for a while and now he's with the Bills and they prefer him on the outside. I guess they sort of just prefer him more as like a prototypical outside wide receiver more than McKenzie or Crowder who are more like inside specialists. The issue is is that now we know McKenzie and Crowder, they're splitting time in the slot. The only way one of them becomes startable is if the other get hurt. So I think if you need to both of the slot wide receivers on the Bills are cuttable. They're almost handcuffs at this point where you're just waiting for the other one to get hurt. It's a really weird situation. And then on the other side of the ball, we have the Dolphins wide receivers who just had the craziest week of all time. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill last week were the first two wide receiver teammates to hit 40-plus PPR points in the same game. And that was only in their second game together. Tyreek's still getting rapport going with Tua, and they did something like that. Even in a tough matchup this week, they're playing as a Bills secondary that ranks top three in past DVOA defense and PFF coverage. You have no choice, but to start these guys, they're going to have to chase points against the Bills, pass the ball from behind, which means that there should be enough volume for both of these guys to be in the top 12 consideration for week three. Next, we have the Lions as five and a half point underdogs to the Vikings. The over under is 53 and a half, and the Lions so far have been amazing for fantasy. Their first game, 38 second game, 36-27. Just a lot of points. And I think we're going to see the same thing here in Minnesota in the week's highest over-under. Minnesota showed that they could score in week one. I know that they had a, a really rough Monday night football game, but that's kind of what you get with Kirk Cousins on Monday night. You also have an Eagles defense that's a lot better than they were given credit for prior to the season. And this is a team also throw the ball. They were fourth in pass rate over expected to this point. And I think that they're going to bounce back, give the Lions... A really tough time here. I think both teams are going to score. Both teams are going to move the ball. It is going to be good for all parties involved. Sort of like that Eagles versus Lions game from week one. And when we talk about the Lions, we have Amon Ra, St. Brown up top who now has six straight weeks of finishing as a top 12 wide receiver. You're starting him regardless of matchup at this point as a fringe wide receiver one. Then you also have DJ Chark, who followed up a 15-point game in week one and then gave you a goose egg last week. So that's kind of the nature of his profile. He's a boom-bust wide receiver four. Think Marcus Valdez-Scantling, but instead of Mahomes, he has Jared Goff. He's a sit for me, but if you're in a really desperate spot, I don't think he's an awful upside swing in like a second or third flex spot. On the other side, we have the Vikings wide receivers where I think that we see this Vikings offense bounce back in a big way. Justin Jefferson had more targets last week, more routes last week, despite scoring almost 30 less points than he did in week one. Even on a down game, he's still a top three wide receiver play for me this week. He's going to be in play for 30 plus points versus the Lions defense that is allowing the eighth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Then we have Adam Thielen, who... Feels like a great bounce-back candidate here versus a soft defense in a high-scoring game. I don't know what the odds are on an Adam and anytime touchdown score, but if it's like anything better than plus 200, I would be extremely into that. Then we have the Ravens on the road versus the Patriots. Ravens are only two-and-a-half point favorites. The over-under is 43-and-a-half. I say only two-and-a-half because... That line just feels way too low. This was a Ravens team that had a big lead against the Dolphins. So let's say that they put that game away. They beat the Dolphins. They could have won that game by double digits against a really good team. The Patriots are worse than the Dolphins. I think that they roll by probably like a touchdown. 43.5 also feels low. This is a Ravens offense that is first in offensive DVOA. The Patriots are an awful in offense. They're 11th in DVOA. Both teams are top two in no huddle percentage in neutral game scripts. They're both playing fast right now. And I know that the Patriots games have been low scoring this year but the Ravens pass offense has been so electric this season just finding Rashad Bateman on big splash plays I think the Ravens are going to make this a game where the Patriots will have to play from behind try and keep up now when we talk about Rashad Bateman here he has killed it so far he's the wide receiver 16 but Greg Roman is out of his damn mind it's insane he's rotating these wide receivers like they're on hockey shifts he has Bateman going crazy but he only has him running routes on 72 percent of the dropbacks Wide receiver ones on teams are usually in the 90% plus area. Alan Lazard on the Packers was at 90% last week coming off an injury. So 72% is egregious for what Rashad Bateman has been to this point. Now, of course, there's always the chance that Rashad Bateman earns his way into more routes and he just forces Greg Roman's hand. It's just really weird at this point because he looked great in week one. I don't know what more he has to do to get that role. But until we see him pass a 90% route participation, he... Is a boom-bust flex play. I know he hasn't burned you yet, but if this route participation continues, he's going to burn you soon. After that, we have Devin Duvernay, who I have as a sit. He came back down to earth after a 20-plus point game against the Jets. He's only running about half of the routes. He's an easy sit for me. Devin Duvernay, also a cuttable guy. On the other side, we have Jacoby Myers, who I actually really like this week. I have him as a high-end flex play in a great spot versus a banged-up Ravens secondary that just let Waddle and Tyreek Hill or run loose in week two Kobe Myers is an absolute target fiend he has a 29.7% target share thus far 14th in the NFL he's going to be peppered with targets in a game where the Patriots are going to be coming from behind against the Ravens trying to keep up I like him as a fringe top 36 guy this week next we have my Jets at home hosting the Bengals the Bengals are five and a half point favorites the over under is 45 and a half and I love this as a bounce back spot for the Bengals the Bengals offense has been bad they're out here in a perfect bounce back spot versus the worst dvoa defense in the new york jets who just allowed 30 plus points to the browns the jets should rally in garbage on the other side of this where they're going to score some points they'll move the ball a little bit to play with pace but my gut tells me the Bengals are going to come out here and probably boat race the jets we'll see how things hold up i mean the jets have sort of been feisty recently the Bengals have been on a downward spiral but this does just seem like a game where joe burrow might just come out here Throw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and it gets ugly. And speaking of the Bengals, their wide receivers are playing against a Jets defense that ranks dead last in past DVOA after allowing Amari Cooper to have nine catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown last week. The Bengals are going to roll here. I would have Jamar Chase as a firm wide receiver one. I would have T. Higgins as a fringe top 15 option in what I would call a soft matchup. Then we have Tyler Boyd, who is essentially at this point a handcuff where he only really performs well when one of the other wide receivers aren't in the game. We now have seven straight weeks of Tyler Boyd failing to score even 15-plus points. There's not really any ceiling there. He's similar to a Jarvis Landry. I'd rather have him on my bench. There's just not enough upside to, you know, sort of offset his low floor. On the other side, we have the Jets. And this has been a tough one, right? We have Garrett Wilson up top. He's been a top 12 wide receiver on the season. He's climbed the depth chart. He went from like 50% of the routes to like 75% of the routes. He also has a little bit of rapport going with Joe Flacco, where they both had second team reps all summer. And then Zach Wilson goes down. And now Garrett Wilson is Joe Flacco's favorite target. I think just after scoring a 30 point game last week, he has to be in your lineup no matter what. And I think Elijah Moore. Isn't a terrible play either. Where we have the Jets trailing again. There's gonna be plenty of volume to go around with Joe Flacco leading the NFL in pass attempts right now. Elijah Moore is still seen as the wide receiver one within the walls in that building. He is running the most routes, he is playing most of his snaps at X wide receiver. And I think there's going to be a time here where defenses start realizing, oh, Garrett Wilson is actually really good, and they start allocating resources to Garrett Wilson, opening things back up for Elijah Moore. In this game, I do like him as a low end flex option against a neutral matchup in the Cincinnati secondary and I guess we'll also talk about Corey Davis here who I have as a sit he is wide receiver 20 on the season but that's largely due to a weird like 66 yard touchdown pass he had last week in I don't know if I would call it garbage time but it was what sort of sparked the comeback the Browns were just sleeping on defense like Corey Davis go for a 66 yard touchdown on that day he only had 10 percent of the targets he's an okay like boom bust option in that wide receiver five area but he's not someone I'm flexing in a normal start two wide receivers to flex league then we have the Raiders on the road versus the Titans the Raiders are one and a half point favorites on the road the over-under is 45 and a half and this is going to be a slow ugly game the Titans are bottom five on defense they're bottom five on offense per DVOA the Titans are gonna play slow they're gonna run the ball and while the Raiders aren't necessarily a slow team They are a team that isn't trying to push the pace. Last week, we had them playing not to lose, where they go up like 24-0 versus the Cardinals, 23-0, somewhere in that area. And they continue to run the ball, jam Josh Jacobs between the tackles, averaging under four yards per carry. And they eventually just lose in ugly fashion, just trying to play keep away, sort of what the Falcons did in the Super Bowl. And it didn't work for them. So they're not a team that's going to sort of push the pace, pass the ball even up two-plus scores, three-plus scores passing the ball on first down up a possession or two they're just not that kind of team so this is going to be a slow game it's going to be a low scoring game I would lean on the under here it was at 46 and a half which would have been a smash for the under now it's at 45 and a half which is a little bit closer but even in a bad environment I still like Devontae Adams as a must start here I actually like Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro in this matchup right I'd have Devontae Adams as a start I'd have Hunter Renfro as a flex they both come in here on pff with excellent matchups versus titan secondary that just let Diggs go for 12 catches 148 yards three touchdowns i think adams in particular is due for a bounce back here he only saw seven targets last week after seeing like a 40 percent plus target share i don't think you go to the drawing board after losing like that and say we should be getting the ball to Devontae adams less i think they're going to want to future him in this spot here and then we also have hunter renfro who has a really good matchup here against a soft tight end secondary where he went from six targets in week one again we talked about it earlier but he had Bryce Callahan in week one so it's a tough matchup he had 10 targets last week looks a lot better he left early with a concussion though so just be aware of that he might be a late inactive because of the concussion if not he should be a nice flex play now we talked up Traylon Burks in the trade targets video yesterday but he's still not somebody I'm starting. Even though he climbed up the depth chart, he's dominant on a per-route basis. Ideally, we want to see him perform first before starting him. Sort of like Garrett Wilson, right? He had a 30-point week last week. It sucked. He wasn't in our lineups, but better safe than sorry unless you have no better options. If you're looking at, like, the Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landrys of the world, put him in there. He's probably right on the fringe. I'd have him, like, right around wide receiver 48, wide receiver 50 for this week. And at this point, I would have all Titans wide receivers as sits, They're fourth lowest in pass rate over expectation. Their bottom five in offensive scoring. We need to see something here from Ryan Tannehill and these guys before we start any of them. Robert Woods hasn't looked great. Nick Westbrook Akina, he's not starting for you. All of these guys should be on the bench. The only guy I would maybe flex would be Traylon Burks. Next, we have the Eagles on the road at six and a half point favorites versus Washington. The over-under is 47.5. I want to say that was. 49 and a half on Wednesday so the over-under is coming down in this game I couldn't really tell you why now both of these teams are top five and second for play they're running fast-paced offenses they're top eight scoring offenses Washington is passing the ball a ton They're six and pass rate over expected Philly is 13th both teams are going to play fast pass the ball with Washington trailing from behind trying to catch up I like the over in this game 47 and a half is a little bit low and when we talk about the Eagles wide receivers AJ Brown is in a great spot here This is a high over-under game versus a Washington defense that is allowing the six most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. They've been murdered by slot wide receivers. Amon Ross and Brown went crazy against them last week. Christian Kirk went crazy against them. And AJ Brown isn't necessarily a slot wide receiver, but he plays about a third of his snaps in the slot, which is where I think he's going to do a lot of damage against the secondary. Now, I think it's also worth flexing Devonta Smith, where he's a nice flex play. He had seven catches for 80 yards last week, a huge bounce back from a goose egg in week one. I think he's probably in play for something similar here, where maybe he gets like 6'4", like 65, and a touchdown. He's somewhere in that area. If defenses start putting too many resources towards A.J. Brown and also trying to stop Jalen Hurts in the scramble game, I think Devonta Smith kind of has some boom-bust upside on a weekly basis. On the other side of this, we have a really tough game for these Washington wide receivers, where, yes, it's going to be high scoring, but this is going to be a tough secondary with Darius Slay up top. Terry McLaurin is going to be facing shadow coverage from Darius Slay, who is PFF's highest graded coverage corner right now on a secondary that is top five in PFF pass coverage and pass DVOA defense. It's going to be really tough for McLaurin, especially. He hasn't really been featured at all to start the season. He's been more of a efficiency guy where he had a 13% target share. He's been about wide receiver 30. He's usually a guy that sees like a 25% target share and is like wide receiver 30. The issue is that when you face a defense like this, you're not going to win on efficiency and they're not going to target him more with Darius Slay on him. So the efficiency is going to fall out from underneath him. He'll probably get targeted a little bit less. He's not someone that you can sit, right? You're not sitting him for like a Jarvis Landry or something, but he's a flex play. I'd call him like a boom bust flex play You're hoping for a touchdown. He's probably somewhere in that wide receiver 30 area. Now, because of this, I actually don't mind Curtis Samuel here. It's a tough matchup versus the secondary, but I think that they're going to have Terry McLaurin on lock. You're going to have Curtis Samuel in the slot kind of opening up things underneath, getting some rushing yards, getting some gadget-type plays here. He's the wide receiver 8 so far in fantasy. If you have him on your team, he should probably be in your flex spot. He's probably going to be in my rankings, like, almost back-to-back with McLaurin around that wide receiver 30 area. And then we have Jahan Dotson, who's a sit for me this week against a rough secondary. He scored three touchdowns through two weeks so far. That's really the only thing buoying his fantasy points at this point. I'm not betting that he's going to score a touchdown for the third straight week. I think if you are, you're playing with fire a little bit. He's going up against the toughest secondary he's faced yet. And PFF has this as a poor matchup for him. So like we said earlier, where Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro have excellent matchups, he has a poor matchup, which is the worst tier of matchup. It's going to be a tough, long day for Jahan Dotson, where any of the snaps that Darius Slay isn't shadowing Terry McLaurin for, he will be shadowing Jahan Dotson on the perimeter which takes us to the 4 p.m games where we have Jaguars on the road versus the Chargers the Chargers are seven point favorites at home the over-under is 47 and a half and the Jaguars offense has been surprising this year they're about middle of the road in pass rate they're about middle of the road in pace and they're going to be on the road going into an absolute buzzsaw of a Chargers defense after two light matchups where they played against the Colts and they played against the Commanders They're going to struggle here. I think the Chargers are going to play with pace. They're going to pass the ball a ton. They're going to get out ahead and not really try and run the ball in that lead. They're going to get out ahead probably by like two or three possessions and give the Jaguars a really tough time here. And when we talk about the Jaguars, we have Christian Kirk up top. And this Chargers defense, the secondary, has some absolute dogs. They have Asante Samuel Jr. They have Derwin James. They have J.C. Jackson. They have Bryce Callahan in the slot. It's a really tough defense in that secondary now I know that their advanced stats don't only really show up a ton right where the charges I think they're only like eighth and past DVOA the issue is that they've played Devontae Adams and they've played Mahomes that's going to skew things a little bit now to be fair Mahomes threw a couple picks that were thrown back I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to have a little bit of a wake-up call here against a really scary defense and with that comes I think probably our first Christian Kirk dud game here I'm still him as a flex but He's going to be playing against Bryce Callahan on the inside. And Bryce Callahan is the guy who shut down Hunter Renfro. He shut down Juju Smith-Schuster. Now he gets Christian Kirk in the slot. And PFF even has this as a poor matchup for Christian Kirk. He's the wide receiver seven on the season. You don't want to start him. I'm just putting him as a flex here. Temp your expectations. If you have better options, or let's say you have three wide receivers deep of like CeeDee Lamb, Mike Williams, A.J. Brown. You just have crazy wide receivers. Start them ahead of Christian Kirk don't feel pressured to play him even though he's the wide receiver seven at this point but also don't think that he's a must sit i think he is fine probably in the fringe wide receiver 25 area now we're also sitting zay jones we're sitting marvin jones just because of how tough this matchup is i believe zay jones has a poor matchup on pff marvin jones are the below average both these guys i have no interest in starting this week and on the other side we're just going to kind of go through the injury carousel here because we know when herbert's healthy Keenan Allen's healthy. Mike Williams healthy. All three of them are starts. It's a Chargers offense that scores a ton. Justin Herbert is that guy. The issue is that we have Justin Herbert dealing with rib injury, and we have Keenan Allen dealing with a hamstring. We don't know if they're going to play, so I just wanted to break it out to this. If Herbert is out, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer are all flex plays. If Herbert plays, both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are starts with Josh Palmer as a sit. If Herbert plays but Keenan Allen is hurt, Mike Williams is a top 10 play. He gets upgraded to like a wide receiver one. And then Josh Palmer would also go from a sit to a flex there. So it all just depends on who's active, who's not active for this game. But regardless, it's going to be a fine matter versus a Jaguars team at Their own place, all right. So, I skipped over Rams versus Cardinals yesterday when I was recording. I have it in my notes, I must have just scrolled past them. So, we're going to record this today. We have a little DIY graphic I did for this as well, but I didn't want to leave this out of the video. So, we're going to talk about the Rams on the road taking on the Cardinals as three and a half point favorites. The over under is 48 and a half, and these are both teams that want to play fast. They're top five and no huddle rate. They cleared 50 points in their last two regular season matchups last year where they played against each other, of course. They played in the playoffs. The Cardinals got embarrassed, but in the regular season, these were high-scoring matchups. Now, the Rams defense is looked at as this elite defense with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner, and they're a good defense for sure, but they've kind of disappointed this year. They're 19th in total defensive DVOA. Arizona's 31st, so these are two beatable defenses. We'll call the Cardinals defense awful. We'll call the Rams beatable. They're not as scary as they used to be. So when you have two quarterbacks in Stafford and Kyler Murray against two defenses that aren't amazing, you have a recipe for a potential shootout. And when we talk about the Rams wide receivers, we have Cooper Cup up top. Of course, you're starting him. He has now 25 or more fantasy points in five straight games. He's going to terrorize PFF's worst ranked coverage defense in the Cardinals. And then we have Allen Robinson. I have written down here as a touchdown dependent flex where He scored 15 points last week, but he got there on a touchdown. I think he only had like four catches for like 50 yards, something in that area. But that's not all that bad because if he's going to be featured in the red zone as a red zone target, then he's going to get production off of touchdowns. I think that he actually had one called back as well, where maybe he almost had two touchdowns last week. Now, when we talk about the Cardinals, we have Marquise Brown, who I have as a start. And I know he's been a little bit disappointing. He's wide receiver 27 in points per game at this point, but he is wide receiver 19 in expected points per game. Expected points per game is just how much points are you expected to score per game based on your volume, how many targets you had, your red zone targets, all of that. So he is underperforming right now in the efficiency department. I think that he's going to bounce back soon. I think points are coming. And I like him as a start this week for, say, Ram's secondary that is allowing the second most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. They let Stephon Diggs eat. They let Gabe Davis eat. They let Drake London eat last week. So again, this isn't a Rams defense that is the scary defense that they once were. I think they still have a bunch of really good players, right? But you have Jalen Ramsey, who is really the only piece of that secondary that's actually any good. There's a lot of holes outside of Ramsey. I think Marquise Brown has a better day here. And then we have Greg Dortch, who is the wide receiver 22 on the season. He had a 28% target share in week one, but then that came down to 9% in week two. He scored a lucky touchdown touchdown. You don't really want to bank on lucky touchdowns with low target shares with a guy like Greg Dortch in your flex. To me, he's a desperation flex, probably in the wide receiver 55 area. If you're desperate, maybe he can give you some points, but I wouldn't want to put him in my lineup. And then the last guy we'll talk about is AJ Green. He saw six targets last week. He was kind of involved, but he only turned that into three catches for 16 yards. He just can't be in your lineup despite running more routes earning more targets. He's still AJ Green. He's pretty dusty at this point. Maybe he catches a straight touchdown. We'll see. But again, he's not somebody I want in my lineup. So that is this game. We're going to return back to our regular scheduled program. What's the next game here? Falcons at Seahawks should be next. Next, we have the Falcons on the road as one-point favorites versus the Seahawks. It's actually really interesting because when we did this video on Wednesday, the Falcons were plus one and a half. I believe the Seahawks were minus one and a half. So this line has now moved two and a half points in the falcons direction i can't think of any injury that would have done that i think that just is public money coming in on the falcons but it's still gonna be an ugly game the over-under is 41 and a half both teams are bottom 10 in neutral pace none of them are trying to throw the ball you had arthur smith run the ball a ton last week despite averaging like three yards per carry and being and losing against the rams he's just he I, i i can't stand arthur smith i think his play calling is awful He's not trying to future his fourth overall pick, and he's saying, oh, it's not fantasy football. We're trying to win games, but he's 0-2. Just crazy stuff. I think this is going to be a really ugly one. They're going to both slow the plays down, try and hold on to the ball. It's going to be like 17-14, to like 14-9, to something in that area. And on the Falcon side of the ball, I know Drake London just had a breakout game. He had eight catches, 86 yards, a touchdown, but I would temper expectations slightly in this one. He was playing catch-up last week for, say, weak Rams secondary. And in this one, he won't have the offense on the other side of the ball for Arthur Smith to keep up with, right? Where it's not going to be the Stafford Cup pushing the ball. It's going to be Geno Smith dinking and dunking, Rashad Penny running into a brick wall. It's going to be ugly on that side of the ball. Now, in Drake London's favor, the efficiency should be there. He's not going to see a lot of routes. He's not going to see a lot of volume. But he's playing against a Seattle secondary that is bottom five in pass DVOA and PFF coverage grade. I would call him, for that reason, a high-end flex play this week with multiple touchdown upside. I just wouldn't bank on him being a strong wide receiver two play this week. Now, when we talk about DK Metcalf and we talk about Tyler Lockett, this is just an awful environment for fantasy wide receivers. They have run the second lowest amount of plays on offense. The Seahawks just play slow. They don't extend drives. They're a lot of three and outs. It's not good. And then on top of that, they have a quarterback with the lowest ADOT among all starting QBs. So there's no efficiency. They're not extending drives. There's not a lot of volume to go around. So it's really tough. You're pretty much just hoping for splash plays from Metcalf or Lockett. Lockett went off last week. Metcalf is probably due for one very soon. I would have them both as flex plays where I would have Metcalf as a high-end flex play. I'd have Lockett as a fringe flex play against a Falcons defense that are allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. They allowed Cup, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas all to feast on them. Both of these guys, boom-bust flex plays. You hate to see the environment because they're both good wide receivers, but again, I would have both of them as flexes this week. Then we have the battle of two goats. We have the Packers and Aaron Rodgers on the road as one-and-a-half point underdogs to the Buccaneers. The over-under is 41-and-a-half. And I told you guys I was shocked by this on Wednesday that the over-under was so low where we're thinking Brady versus Rodgers. There's going to be fireworks, but neither of these offenses have been good. And Rodgers is throwing to Lazard, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Brady doesn't have Mike Evans. He doesn't have Chris Godwin, so he's throwing to Brashad Perriman, Russell Gage. They just picked up uh, Cole Beasley off the streets. It's really bad. Both of these offenses are bottom 15 in scoring. They're bottom eight in neutral pace. All the numbers point to this being a low-scoring game. They're going to want to lean on the run game on both sides of the ball. Tampa Bay has a top-five defense. It's going to be ugly, even for as much as these quarterbacks – should be able to will their offenses forward. I think it's going to be ugly. And we talk about the Bucks wide receivers. We have Julio Jones up top. And as of right now, Julio hasn't practiced on Wednesday. He hasn't practiced on Thursday. If I was to put money down now, I would say he's not playing on Sunday. I will say he's a sit for me in this video. But if he suits up and he's active and he's ready to go, I would have him as a low-end boom-bust flex play just because of the lack of competition and how much they got him involved in week one. Now, we'll also talk about Russell Gage here, where I think if Julio Jones is out, you can get away with flexing Russell Gage, where, again, the wide receiver depth chart is Gage, Scotty Miller, Perriman, Cole Beasley. If Julio can't go, and that's Russell Gage's competition, I think as Brady's slot wide receiver, he's a fine like low-end flex play in that wide receiver 40 area. On the other side, we have another ugly depth chart. We just got news today that Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and Christian Watson all did not practice on Thursday. Now, Jeff Mueller on Twitter, he's a, a fantasy doctor. I believe that he is a doctor in real life, of course. And he is saying that maybe this is just kind of a load management thing. And that could definitely be the idea here. So if Lazard plays, I would call him a flex, a low end flex play. He got wide receiver one treatment last week. He ran 90% of the routes. Next highest guy on the team was at 63%. He is seen in that building as the wide receiver one. I think that if he plays, he should be targeted in this game. I would have the rest of the Packers wide receivers as sits. They're all heavily rotating. But I will say that if like Lazard, Watkins, Watson, all can't go. And this depth chart is Romeo Dobbs, Randall Cobb, and then like Amari Rodgers, I think Romeo Dobbs would be a sneaky flex in deep leagues at that point. Then we have the Sunday night game with the 49ers on the road as one and a half point favorites versus the Broncos. The over-under is 44 and a half. This is going to be a low-scoring game. Both of these teams are bottom six in neutral pace. It's going to be a slow game. Both offices should be efficient, but we have seen with Nathaniel Hackett, it's just been an absolute dumpster fire over there. But I do think the 49ers offense should be good here. And when we talk about the 49ers wide receivers, they face a tough Denver secondary here with Patrick Sartain. I believe that they're like top five in PFF pass coverage and pass DVOA. But Debo Samuel, I'm still treating as a wide receiver one this week. This is a team that has Ty Davis-Price hurt. Elijah Mitchell hurt, all they really have at running back is Jeff Wilson and an undrafted free agent and Jordan Mason, and then I guess Marlon Mack off the streets. So I think in this role, Debo should see some goal line carries, he should see some carries between the tackles, and he's also going to get a lot of targets from Jimmy G underneath. I also think that with Jimmy G coming in, as much as we were talking this offseason that Trey Lance is going to be huge for IUC because he has a high A dot. Brandon Ayuk last week with Jimmy G saw a 33% target share. People also forget that down the stretch last year, once Ayuk was out of the doghouse and running a full repertoire of routes, he was a top 24 option on the back half of the season. I think he's a fine flex play, even in a tough matchup here against a Broncos secondary. Now, when we talk about the other side, we have some uncertainty here where Jerry Judy missed Thursday's practice, which means he likely won't play in week three. It's gonna be a little bit tough because he's gonna play on Sunday night, which means that you're not going to have information on him for a while. I think just to play it safe, If he's not practicing on Thursday, if you have a top 30, if you have a flex option that's better than him, I would roll with that. Now, with Judy gone, Sutton becomes an absolute must-start, where he went from a 17% target share in week one with Judy on the field to a 41% target share. Even in a tough matchup against a San Francisco defense, he's a wide receiver one. If Judy plays, he's a wide receiver two. Then we also have KJ Hamler, who I think is worth mentioning here If Judy can't go, Hamler's interesting, but I wouldn't call him a flex just yet. He hasn't really done much. He'd be more of a DJ Chark type boom bust wide receiver 4-5 for me in that scenario. Probably a fun DFS flyer. Then we have our Monday night game where the Cowboys are going to be on the road versus the Giants. The Giants are one point favorites here at home and over under 39 and a half. It's going to be ugly. These are two teams that are top 12 in neutral pace, but bottom 10 in pass rate over expectation. They're both going to be running the ball, trying to hold on to possessions And neither team is really that good against the run. So you have an environment that's not great for these pass catchers. But even with that, I still do like CeeDee Lamb as a start here with Cooper Rush looking competent last week. He had 235 yards. He had a 61% completion percentage. He had a touchdown. That's not amazing, but I think that's doable for a fringe wide receiver two week for CeeDee Lamb versus a neutral matchup in the Giants secondary. The usage has been too good for me to bench him where he has a 31% target share at this point. I think even with a guy like Cooper Rush, He has to be in your lineup. Now, I know a lot of people love Noah Brown. He's the hot waiver wire ad this week, but I'd still have a hard time flexing him even though he's the wide receiver 18 at this point. There's only so many yards, touchdowns, targets to go around with Cooper Rush at quarterback. For that reason, he's a sit for me. You also have the chance that Michael Gallup plays this week coming off an ACL. If Michael Gallup plays, you're not starting him. He'll be on a pitch count, but just him being on a pitch count means that Noah Brown's routes will come from like 90% down to like 75, 80%. For the Giants, we have Sterling Shepard, who, in his first game back over a ninety percent route participation last week, he saw a thirty-three percent target share. He's essentially the Giants' wide receiver one. Galladay ran less routes than Kadarius Tony. Apparently, he's like stripping down his locker. We have Kadarius Tony still in the doghouse. So, if Sterling Shepard's the only option here, I like him versus a Cowboys team that is allowing the eleventh most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. You can't start any of these other Giants wide receivers. We're not starting David Sills. We're not starting Richie James not starting Kadarius Tony until he's out of the doghouse. And then Kenny Galladay, we don't even know if he's with the team anymore. So that is our entire wide receiver matchup video for week three. Let me know how I can make these videos better. Do you guys still like these? Should I sort of switch it up and go to a top 24, top 30 rankings type video? Let me know how you guys feel about that. Now, if you want to go out there and dominate your start sit decisions, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. I have my top 50 running back rankings on there, top 50 wide receiver rankings on there, top 25 quarterbacks, top 25 tight ends every single week. And that will be live by the time you see this video on Friday. So if you don't know who to start between, say, Sterling Shepard and Al Lazard, two flex plays in this video, those rankings will have the exact answer on who I would prefer for this week. So if you want access to that, make sure you check out Patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. I also have my weekly start sit live streams on Sunday morning that are Patreon only on there. We go through, talk through start sits when we've been given all of the injury data for the week. Tuesdays, you have my waiver wire article that tells you exactly how much fab I'm bidding on every player. Wednesday, you have my rest of season rankings. And of course, on Thursdays, you have my weekly rankings for your start sits now. With all that being said, if you enjoyed the video, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like, comment, help the boy out. We're trying to hold on to the momentum from the summer here. We're losing a little bit of traction. Help the boy out. As always, I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice. Uh-huh. I got the juice. Tenno, Chatham's on. Ah. Foolies glad I'm home. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my vagabond. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena for